So we'll uh, let our audience come in and we will get underway in less than a minute from now. Wonderful, thank you very much. I may request the audience to use the chat session uh, while you are checking in. Do let us know uh, which part of the world you are from. If you wanna share your LinkedIn profile, you can do so, your contact information, whatever, happy to. Yeah, so Ahil is already in from Kenya and uh, we will be starting in 30 seconds from now. Um, yeah, thank you all for joining, very exciting. Hello there, lots of people coming in now. New York, hi John Scott, Netherlands, Holland, another one from New York, Mumbai, India, lovely to have you. Hello London, bonjour France, hello Nigeria, the UAE, Bangalore, all right, Susan, it's, uh, it's past five and good time to start. Uh, good evening Thanks, from girl. Dubai. Good evening from Dubai. Good afternoon, Europe, and good morning, America. I want to congratulate all the 500 people who registered to attend this webinar, and they are from 70 plus countries. So we have a truly global audience. We are delighted to have you here. Our webinar has uh, you know, got the traction. It has uh, started conversations on all social media. And the topic is very interesting. Is your brand future sensing the web 3.0, meta and NFTs? My name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the CEO of CyberGear, a company that I started in 1996. Uh, today, we are a web three company. I'm also the founder of onlywebinars.com, a platform that I started when COVID happened to have uh, engaging conversations such as these. Two dates are very important in the context of this webinar, October 26th and November 24th of last year. October 26th is the easy one. That's the day Facebook decided to rebrand to Meta. And November 24th, Collins Dictionary selected NFT as the word of the year. I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of Google Trends. And if you follow that, you will see that around these dates, Metaverse and NFT had exponential growth in searches in Google worldwide. It obviously caught the imagination of everybody. Also, what is significant that there have been more than 10,000 articles published about the Metaverse in the last 30 days. Clearly there is a lot of traction and I'm a believer that virtual is real. The metaverse is being built as we speak. In fact, at the speed of thought, the industry itself is moving like Shinkansen. Shinkansen by the way, is the bullet train in Japan. And as they say, if you have seen the train, you have missed it. The idea is to be on it. So I think this is time for all brands to get started immediately. If you want to keep pace with your customers and your competitors. Let me now introduce you to Susan, our facilitator for the webinar. Hi, Susan. Hello. Susan, Susan is a good friend of mine. Uh, she wears multiple hats. In fact, I think she's a one woman industry. She's a meta shaper, 
She's a wordsmith. She's a strategic communications expert. She's into spiritual artistry and she's an edge walker. I'm going to hand it over to Susan to take this forward. And we would love the audience to participate and engage with us during this webinar. Over to you, Susan. Thank you so much, Sherrod. Um, and thank you for sort of topping that up with a little bit about me. I mean, how wonderful to be in the in this sort of same conversation with all of this wonderful movement and this magical uh, marvelousness that's happening with such a wave, as you quite rightly say, really taking the swell since last October. Um, and then I also should say thank you for being my dance partner, um, Sherrod. I think I'll put that on my LinkedIn profile that I'm a dance partner, a meta dance partner with Sherrod. Um, and, um, you know, I need to honor you because, you know, since we had this other curious swell called Corona <laughs> come in uh, to the shores uh, globally uh, in the early part of, 20, of 2020, uh, you have been so nimble, so dexterous to move swiftly online in this space that we're in now and creating conversations. And indeed, uh, I mean, you know, the conversations have been incredible, but no more incredible than to kickstart 2022 with this one. You know, is your brand future sensing Web3, the metaverse, and indeed that new word in the Collins Dictionary, NFTs? Uh, it's an acronym, actually, not even a word, correct? So, um, you know, are you ready? Is your team ready? How do we get ready together? So, Sherrod and, and panel, today, um, thank you for being here to help us sort of clear up the grey area. And who do we have, just very, very quickly, um, I'm not going to say a lot about you all, but um, I'm going to follow clockwise from my screen. So that's you, Jamie, Jamie Brett. I mean, I know you have been uh, incredible to sort of carry your young story. You really are a shaper of many, many things as you've just sort of gone over that cusp into your 30s um, and really had sort of a wonderful, but yet, you know, quite eclectic decade of getting to where you are and where are you? Uh, um, uh, Meta Hub, you know, and I'm calling that Meta Mice, as you know, and taking Mice, the acronym from the hospitality sector, meetings, incentives, conferences, and exhibitions. And just give me a thumbs up, Jamie, if that works for you. <laughs> it does. So thanks for being here. Uh, next on my screen is Sonny. Uh, Sonny, how are you? Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks for uh, having me as a part of this webinar, I'm really excited to contribute as much as I can. Thank you. We're, we're excited to have you from Singapore today, I believe. Yes, absolutely. So yes, I'm Darling from Singapore. Um, I used to uh, head a, a, a cryptocurrency exchange, La Token, so based in uh, Singapore as a country head. I've just uh, sort of uh, moved into another uh, uh, space, but obviously in NFT space, I can't disclose the name yet, but yes, uh, four years in the cryptocurrency exchange place space. Before that, I used to advise many ICO companies were raising funds during, by doing an initial coin offering. So I started my career uh, in uh, the space in year 2017, just by accident, but I, I've seen the space grown, evolve, and more serious players, the banks, the financial institutions getting in the space, which makes me very excited that I did the right choice of not giving up during the crypto winter um, and stayed through thick and thin. And I'm excited again to be here. 
thank you. Well, thank goodness you did. And, and, you know, we're going to be coming to you numerous times today to talk about, you know, tokens, blockchain, you know, how we can keep transparent and secure in this biggest emerging market ever. 1.5 billion uh, in 10 years, I, I, I understand, a trillion, sorry, 1.5 trillion, let's get, let's get the numbers right, in about a decade. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to flip round to you. Um, hello, Jeremy. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I think, correct? That's right. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Well, glad to have you. And Jeremy, I mean, you're bringing in numerous, numerous hats, um, you know, of strategist, a bit like me. You know, we both love words and content and scripting. And of course, you know, you've just been outstanding in that area in the music sector for, I'm going to give the game away, but how many years have you been at that, um, Jeremy? I've been at the intersection of brands, music and technology for about 20 years in, in various uh, combinations and capacities. So, yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's been fun, though. Wonderful. I, what fun. And I love um, sort of the one of the hats you wear as either, you know, head of music or chief music officer for Infinite World, because, of course, uh, Jonathan is um, going to be sort of one of the first to take such a such a meta organization um uh listed on nasdaq correct correct yeah poised for march i think so let's all watch that space so thank you so much for being here and please give our best to jonathan and the team as well um, um omnia i'm going to flip to you um how are you are you calling in from dubai today yes from dubai yeah, wonderful to have you. And um, if we can chip into you, if you don't mind, about you know what are investors looking for in this space? I mean, really, what sort of what's our sphere of of uh, diligence, you know, and our sphere of excitement? Uh, indeed, you know, just a quick one: how excited are investors about the Web three and Meta? I believe we are waiting patiently in terms of just finding out how this will shape the future, right? and write any type of investment, we want to make sure that who will be the first. Are we going to be the first by applying the right methodologies, strategies, and so on, or not? Um, it's a matter of time, as far as I see it personally. But um, I believe at this stage, we are all just learning. And we are pretty much convinced it's not like uh, another VC hype. This is something will definitely shape the future. Thank you so much for sort of kicking off with that reassurance, you know, not another 1997 internet bubble, but of course that bubble was able to create other bubbles and here we are today from web one where we were connected from web two where we leased, we leased our space in web two into web three where we're, only, we're going to be able to own the space and Jamie we're going to come to you later as well because I love that topic that you have about uh, digital economic justice. So get us into that one a bit later. Tarek Nasser, uh, MetaShaper, I saw you dubbed on our panel marketing. Um, uh, I think sort of you, you held a nice eclectic mix, I saw London, Bahrain, and indeed Ras Al Khaimah. So uh, what's your story and what are you shaping? Hi, Susan. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining. Yeah, MetaShaper, really, uh, initially a meta player, but as this ever-changing world is evolving, we have to reshape ourselves within it. Currently in Russell Hamer, raised in London, you know, as we travel uh, accordingly, 
Um, but yeah, really interesting to see how um, I can involve my space as a player uh, within this world. And I'm excited for what we have to deliver today. Oh, thank you so much for representing and you, Jamie, you know, the cusp of Gen Z, Gen Z, you know, and because indeed um, we're now working into a space where, you know, as we saw DC during Corona, we have omni generations playing on omni channels online, you know, from little kiddie winkies from the age of what, three and four, right the way through to grandparents now chomping at the bit to get online in some shape or form. So, Jimmy, I'm not sort of nailing you in whatever generation there, my dear boy, but, you know, from Kent to, I think, Dubai, you're winging your way to, right, Jimmy? Yeah, still, still navigating that path, but fingers crossed we should get that path cleared before March. Um, but, yeah, um, no, thanks for, thanks for having me here. It's so exciting. I think I got more excited when I saw the list of the panelists, and I was like, Sharad, Susan, you guys pulled this off. Um, you know, grateful to be here. Thanks for all the participants that have registered and tuned in. Um, my background, I'm um, born and uh, raised in Nigeria, moved out to the UK about 12 years ago. And, you know, to your point, Susan, the, the next destination might be Dubai, you know, fingers crossed. But, you know, we're, we're building a human-centric metaverse at Voltil, um, looking at how we incorporate, you know, all the facets of Web 3.0, you know, metas, NFTs, and all of that good stuff, you know, again, we're, we're not trying to pitch that dystopian type idea, but we're looking at how we solve problems, enhance human experiences, you know, things you do on a daily today, we could have been, you know, in a VR chat room or, you know, the Volatile Metaverse, you know, on this, you know, webinar, for example, and, you know, something Sharad and I have talked about, and we might bring you something like this towards the end of the year, fingers crossed. Brilliant. And I know you and Jamie have been talking too. So, you know, let's keep up everyone on, on uh, in the room today. Let's sort of keep up this connection and community. And indeed, I mean, Sherrod, at the end, you're going to introduce us a bit more, but we've already created um, a space where we can have a meta community. What, what's, tell us now, Sherrod, what, what's the domain? Where do we go? Uh, it's meta-shapers.com. Launched about 10 minutes back. 10 minutes? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. So everyone in the room, go there, meta-shapers.com. And, um, and then we'll see you on the other side of today. So look, today is about, um, uh, you know, talking from a space where, gosh, there's more than 50 shades of grey in this sort of, as we sort of take that bridge into Web3 and Meta, indeed, as you were sort of saying, Omnia. So let's see if we can now clear up some of that grey today. And um, I sort of got like six categories that I thought we could talk around for the next 45 minutes. So like, here we go. And we also might have a little uh, something pop in in between that time. So let's see. So um, Jeremy, I'm gonna come to you again. Um, uh, you know, what is it all about? And, you know, I know you might want to talk a bit about NFTs, so maybe we should have started in another spot, but from your strategic hat, Jeremy, what is going on? Over to you. A great question. Um, yeah, I think so. I'm drawn to the first principles of things, you know, why, why things are the way they are and how they align with the things that you want to do. So the, the, the metaverse, NFTs, DAOs, Web3, 
I look at this as a very unique capability to uh, foster deeper connections between not just artists and fans, creators and communities, um, you know, brands and their audience. There's there's this there's this ability to capture uh, this relationship in a in a transparent and meaningful way and open it up to unique experiences. So what I what I sounds kind of a high level and ethereal, but if you think about it, just let's just say from an NFT perspective, right? So an NFT is is quite a bit more, everyone on the panel and a lot of people on the call know it's quite a bit more than a JPEG that you can own and do things with, right? It's this digital, it's this technological capability to draw a digital border around something, right? And automate uh, how it's used, automate who owns it, uh, automate how it moves through this thing that we call the metaverse. And the metaverse is an emergent phenomenon. You know, everyone's like, where's the metaverse? Oh, it's in Sandbox. Where's the metaverse? So oh, it's in Fortnite. The metaverse is like, if I were to take this digital object and like take my hand across all of the squares above my Zoom screen, that object could seamlessly flow through that organization, right? So there's a lot more things to it. And, and again, the philosophical constructs are really interesting. And if we can understand those, we can harness this and do the things that we want to do with it. Well, thank you, Jeremy, so much. I mean, that sort of clarified a bit for me. But just back to NFT, would it be correct just to define it as a new type of digital good that, that um, you know, just has one ownership that can be shared? I mean, how would one, how would one properly define it? Over to you. Uh, back to me. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think of it rather as a capability versus a thing, because um, NFTs could be very, very different things. They could be concert tickets. They could be uh, a token that's a gated access to a community. It could be uh, an idea that's encapsulated and thrown into a community that other people can add on to that idea and in turn let that NFT grow. So I, I think of it more as a as a capability than a thing. Love that. I really do. Jimmy, what do you think? A capability rather than a thing and communities. So how do we build these metas? Over to you. Thank you. Now, just, you know, alluding on Jeremy's point, I, I think, again, when we even started this journey at Vault Hill to, to build a metaverse, you know, there's so many, so many definitions of what that looked like. You know, Sherrod already said there are about 10,000 articles, you know, in the last 30 days on metaverse. And for, for, for us, it's a number of things, right? You know, you need to be able to create an economy with this. You need to be able to create value. You need to be able to exchange goods and services without so-called so middlemen, for example, you know? So for us, what we're looking to do is, you know, bring all of this together you know, how do you, how do you create an experience? And when, when I say experience, you know, either augmented reality or virtual reality or even mixed reality when we get there, you know, once the cost of technology starts to decline, you know, so it's bringing all of this facets together and then ensuring people are able to do this safely as well and then monetize, you know, to Germany's point, your idea, you know, your, your IP and, and the likes of it. So, you know, that, that is that construct we're working and looking into. Yeah, well, thank you for explaining that and giving it a bit of meat. But can I just sort of ask, um, and when we say the word metaverse, which of course is singular, but really it's verses, isn't it, Jimmy? 
Co correct, and there's there's now a new term called the multiverse now. Indeed, you, you you might start looking into that, and we're already talking about stuff like that with other metaverses as well, from a partnership and collaboration perspective. So you you are indeed correct. You know that's the singular word, and when we start to look at the the space we play in, there's a lot of collaboration, there's a lot of innovation. You know, to limit it to a singular word. So that will evolve over time i'm sure you know um as we go along this this journey uh, well thank you well of course you know glossary you know words matter words really do matter otherwise we won't know what we're all talking about but i want to thank um uh metashapers.com again because uh, sharad you actually did publish the start of a glossary about a week ago didn't you where is that hosted uh, yeah, uh, that can be found on the Metaverse blog, which is at cybergear3.com. It gives, uh, you know, explanation uh, from a layman's point of view of all the glossary of the Metaverse in a very easy to understand way. Yeah, so the URL I'm going to put in the chat for uh, people to look at. Thank you so much. Maybe we can stick it in the community too. But, you know, what I'm really... Um, thinking about, we've almost gone, I mean, there's no way backwards or front, no, frontwards, we've gone NFT to metaverse, but what about Web3? Uh, Omnia, I wonder if I could bring you in there, you know, and from, the, from your lens as working with investors, I mean, you know, what's the chatter around Web3 and how do you explain it to your, your audiences? Over to you. Thank you, Suzanne. I guess the most important thing that everyone should know that when we are talking about Web3, we are talking about engagement and we are talking about experience. And when we are trying also to understand the, to understand the same basic terms, uh, what is uh, Web3.0, we understand that we started by being a simple consumer for the static web um, 1.0 into being an actual product. Um, in the current internet that we see, and then moving to being to be an actual owners of our own data. Um, the way we see it, let's say, considering um, investment, whether institutional investors or actual individuals, that this could really change how brands will look at us in terms of what could be a beneficial investment to pursue or not. Um, so I believe all what we see um, nowadays in terms of use cases, and I call it simply use cases, I will not refer to it as it's, let's say, main names that's currently uh, going viral, but as use cases, it's very interesting for us because it will tie up those normal centralized, let's say, entities into moving into Web3 by changing the concept of who should own what and who should uh, get that access. So again, I will go to my basic two words, customer engagement and customer experience. And this customer is the actual owner, just to make it simple. Mm. Well, thank you so much again, because, you know, I'm referring back to what's behind us in some of the screens here. You know, is my brand, is your brand, whether the brand you or the organization or an actual product, you know, future sensing, uh, Web3, Meta, and NFTs. So I, I hopefully we've built a little bit of muscle around that. And Sonny, I can see a big smile on your face. Who was that? Did I hear a voice? Yeah, yes. sorry, sorry, sorry. Jimmy, yeah, go, go, yeah, go, sorry, go, Jimmy. Sorry. I just wanted to, to, to add on to Omnia's, um, you know, uh, description of Web3, you know, when you start to look at user capabilities and capacity, 
you know, you start to talk about th trillions rather than billions in Web 2.0. You know, you start to look at 3D, you know, imagery and assets, you know, in terms of the semantics as well. So it, it's, it's dynamic. And let's not even go to blockchain yet. I know that's coming, but, you know, these are the kind of facets that, you know, you start to incorporate and understand that, hey, this is actually big. It's going to transform how we do things moving forward. Oh, thank you for chipping in. That was a perfect space. But I can see up in my top right corner, Sonny having a great big smile on her face at numerous, numerous things being said. Can I bring you in and sort of can you dance or do the splits between how can we play in Web3 metaverse and how do we prepare? Can you sort of just give us a, a minute or two on that, Sonny? Over to you. Yes, thank you. So I was actually enjoying the discussions uh, very much. I was so hence the big smile. So as for me, Web 3.0 or Web 3 is, I would consider, I would say it's a next internet re revolution. Uh, so which aims to put control over the web co content in the hands of the users. I think everybody said that obviously, um, you know, that's very important. So Web 3.0 is built on the blockchain technology. Um, the technology underlying the Bitcoin, which is the most popular cryptocurrency. And it aims, the aim, the goal of uh, Web 3.3.0 is to eliminate the big intermediaries, including the centralized governing bodies and other agencies. So, so in that sense, Web 3.0 will also blend well with metaverse, making it easier to buy and sell non-fungible tokens or the NFTs that represent your ownership of a virtual good with cryptocurrencies. So I actually are currently am advising great projects. One of them is into real estate uh, NFTs. An another is into VR, AR uh, metaverse. So they were doing this, um, you know, they were in the space for last 10 years, but they have recently moved into from a traditional gaming AR, VR company to uh, NFT and they're building their, their own platform. So uh, recent news on NFT has been dominated, as you know, by games and arts. Um, the sheer number of projects that are operating in this space is far too many to sustain. Also, the revenue streams are not large enough. Uh, large enough. And after all, the, the how many play-to-earn projects can sustain over the long term, right? So I think that takes a lot of energy, talent, effort, if you're actually moving into the space. Even the space offers a lot of benefits and advantages. At the same time, you have, to, uh, uh, you have to ensure that this is a new space. You might require uh, to educate yourself, a higher team. So, and obviously it consumes a lot of energy uh, in the process. So yes, I mean, I can discuss more on the projects that I'm advising as a use case uh, later on. Thank you. Wonderful, well, that would be good because I want to ask at the end about some, well, it could be in the middle, let's see, about some successes. But um, Tarek, yeah, could you pop in? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to add something on the back of what Omnia was mentioning uh, and mentioned with regards to the Web3 and the uh, customer experience and engagement. And something came across my desk the other day with regards to some theory, although not closely related to Web3, there's definitely synergies uh, around it. Um, Batak 2019 uh, mentioned something about the seven E's. Um, and about enhancing customer experiences and enhancing customer engagement which from the side of marketing from a cost from an organization perspective onto customers that is what web3 will look to bring to the customers engaging with the organizations so just some theory behind there for some people who might want to look into batac 2019 
Thank you, Tari. I mean, stick it in the chat. I mean, that's a brilliant way to play because, you know, whilst we're in, we're sort of in DC during Corona, sort of future sensing, sensing, and I'm just using these terms for a bit of fun, AC after Corona, you know, there are tools and references from BC <laughs> before Corona, BC into AC that actually could be very useful to our toolkit. So thank you so much for that, um, Tarek. Um, so Jamie, I mean, in this question about um, who can play and how do we play, can you tell us a bit about what you're playing? Will you give me a 90 second nutshell there? Sure, not a problem at all. Um, so first of all, lovely to meet everyone on, on the chat. Um, so I would say from a who can play point of view and what we're doing at the moment is we're designing custom virtual spaces. So the principle of how, what we're trying to do is being able to go, well, we can design your metaverse space where you can meet. And an example would be from last week, we did a conference that we hosted entirely within a metaverse space where we had everyone able to join. We designed the facility, we branded it. We designed each of the areas with practical applications. So for example, one of them was a whole brain room because it splits the brain into four quadrants. So we utilize the space to basically be a more engaging way. And I suppose that's a lot of what we're looking at at the moment is trying to think about how can we design things where it's human centric? The whole point of digital isn't supposed to drive us apart. It's supposed to be able to bring us together. So how can we design things in a way that engage people who might not be able to be engaged in other environments. That might be from a neurodiversity perspective. That might be from a point of view of this space needs to hold a particular function. And that's what we're trying to wrap together with and what MetaHub's up to. Fabulous, really, really like it. You know, it's almost going like from, from um, game fi to social fi to community fi, you know, to ed fi. I mean, Tarek, can I come back to you? I happen to know that you're a young professional in the early years and primary education space. And I understand that the philosophy you follow is Montessori. And of course, as you mentioned, I'm an edge walker, uh, Sherad. I mean, there's nothing more, more edgy than Montessori. Um, how do you see um, education sort of and learning and, and creative collaboration playing out in this space, Tarek? I mean, it's a... Uh... It's an interesting one to ask, especially being a Montessorian myself, where a lot of the learning happens through hands-on experiences with physical objects. And now we're actually talking about a virtual world where potentially individuals will engage with things that might not physically be directly in front of them. Um, it's an ever-changing space, I would say. Um, I mean, I can't believe we're going to see our two, three and four-year-olds in the early years uh, wandering around uh, with their graphic goggles on. But um, there's definitely space for something to evolve with regards to education, certainly of an older age group. I think what Jamie's doing is amazing, bringing these communities together, conferences, social spaces, meetings. I definitely think that's going to lead the way initially. Um, I also know there are universities who are adapting some courses online as well. With regards to how the Montessori space is going to evolve, I do have some thoughts and ideas behind it but we're just going to have to see because there's not much synergy along its true beliefs of, of what we do and what me and Maria Montessori has uh, put in place and what we're now acting upon. Um, definitely. I actually looked up uh, Maria Montessori and I understand that you know she, she's like 150 years ago um, she actually recognized that we work best using our heart first 
and then we go into tactile our hands and then we get plans and then we go to the head I mean so what a wonderful combo to take into uh, into meta uh, into, into a, a universe where we can really just play and create together don't you think Tarek? Absolutely it's as you mentioned it's an ever-changing space and um there's scope there. There's definitely scope for some edgy fire, as we mentioned, but leading the way at the moment with the game fire and the social spaces, we'll just have to see how those things evolve. Well, we'll have to see what Jimmy can do with his um, yeah, spaces definitely. that are opening. I think we need to, you know, maybe some real creative academies and learning centres there. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of thinking as well, um, um, transparency was mentioned, I think, by you, Sonny, and then I mooted this um, digital economic uh, um, uh, uh, justice, you know, we are here, create, I mean, we're in the sort of moving to the biggest emerging market ever, right? You know, um, and, um, you know, all sorts of things happen in marketplaces. And yet, you know, as we've said, the underpinning here is, is transportability, transparency, capability for everyone, participatory access, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, social impact. So Jamie, I mean, you are straddling between, you know, the conversation of um, digital economic transparency, but also digital social philanthropy. Um, um, can you sort of talk into that space for a little bit? Definitely. So from my background perspective, where I started off was working for charity sector. So I was, I was actually supported by a charity for my education because I uh, spent most of my uh, school in and out of hospital. Um, so when I came into the, the education space, I was working with trying to get young people from what, for lack of a better terminology, disadvantaged backgrounds into employment, education and training in the STEM sector. And part of that was being able to understand the barriers that face people being able to engage with new technology. So whether that's access to technology, whether that's the use of that technology or whether it's the actual location dependence to, to be able to function within that technology. And what I would say we need to really think about from a, a metaverse perspective from all of these things is how do we make sure that people aren't left behind and everybody has a part to play within what's going on. Uh, the terminology that I really like is from a gentleman called Ken Robinson, the late Ken Robinson, which is that human communities depend on a diversity of talent, not a single conception of ability. The heart of that challenge is to reconstruct our sense of ability and intelligence. And I think that's very important when we're starting to think about a human centric platform is how can we make sure that we value what everyone brings to the table. I don't want to just see tech people build a new universe where it's all digital. We need a, such a range of skills to make sure that everybody has their ability to to take a place and participate in it. Here, here, and thank you so much for quoting uh, Ken. Um, I, I could see Tarek not there because of course he was you know a great uh, edge walker and trailblazer and thought prompter you know in this space of doing things differently learning differently and creating differently and of course um you know talking about experiences in web3 and metaverse and taking that other acronym mxr you know mixed realities um you know we can bring in all senses there i understand including the haptic sense you know of touch and so actually Raul thank you very much for your comment in the chat Raul well it's a suggestion Jamie how about we host the next one in the metaverse right so um Sherrod and Jamie and Jimmy 
let's get together. And uh, Tarek, if you could join that conversation and see what we wear. And what we wear, I just want a little bit of fun around this one. Maybe I'll come back to you, Jeremy. You know, um, you know what we wear. I mean, how how? What about um, sonic you know, music in 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 the metaverses? How about masks and metabots and language? Can you? I mean, that's a lot, but I know it's all in your space. Can you just um, wrap us up on that in a couple of minutes? Well, yeah. So let's let's jump into the music side of that. So you know, there's been a ton of studies uh, on music in, in that reference a lot of the things it can do. It's it's been known to be the number one source of of personal identity. It activates more areas of the brain than than any other stimulus um, at the same time. So just what music can do and what sound can do in a world is really interesting. I've I've been involved in immersive audio, spatial audio. And, uh, and that sort of thing in, in early kind of VR experiments. And the brain is always, to me, the brain always is looking for a reason to call something, call BS on something, to, to say, I'm not believing what I'm seeing, right? Even if there's beautiful visuals, beautiful engaging visuals, and there's stereo or, or less than stereo audio, your brain kind of goes, I'm feeling a little disconnected right here. So I think early on, one of the missing links in VR adoption could be related to sound and spatial audio to make it feel like something immersive and real. Um, but obviously we've come a long way in that department and, and are creating some really interesting things in that space. Um, one thing I, I thought of, right? So you're in the metaverse, you have this avatar, you know, people are starting to get avatars that virtual representations of themselves. You know, what if we each had, uh, and this is a nod to like sonic branding, right? So people big brands develop sonic logos. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to have this little mnemonic that reminds you of that brand. Like instantly, it's a shortcut. So imagine if, you know, we have these virtual representations visually, what if we had our personal like metaverse walk-up song or cue or something, you know, like boxers do when they go in the ring or, you know, but it's not like a, a hype track necessarily, but it's like, you know, Susan walks into this metaverse meeting and her tone comes up. Oh, Susan's here. Like, you know, that those are some things that, that, that I think could be really interesting. And taking it just a step further is, you know, what game engines can do for audio these days. Uh, audio can actually be um, directed by, you know, physical movement and experience rather than being this flat, you know, uh, wave file or whatnot. So populating game engines with options and potential based on your sound palette could be really, really interesting. So there's all, all kinds of stuff I've been thinking about and doing in, in the space. Oh, we, we must have you back for more. Thank you so much. And, and I'm going to say thank you, Dimple, for your comments. We're getting Seema, um, you know, all saying, wow, wow, wow. We can, you know, or giving some examples of how they're playing now too. So thank you so much for that. I saw big smiles from Tarek, but on the air, I saw lots of nodding of your heads. I mean, you know, thinking about brand builders and thinking about uh, investors, um, and we're looking to build brand equity, you know, in, in, the, in the DC world or in the world, in the Web2 world, we're looking to build brand equity from our logo, from our icon, from our color palette, from our vocabulary. 
I mean, taking this into meta and building equity, as Jeremy was just saying, for example, by brand Q, the CEO's Q, the newsmaker's Q, et cetera. How, how would this, what is this palatable? Has it got some legs? Over to you. Okay. Um, I would like to cover this from institutional slash government approach when they are trying to think of the NFT, Metaverse, and Web3, in a sense that um, I believe at least if I can speak about the UAE, we have been through an amazing journey trying to understand the digital transformation from legacy systems to blockchain. I'm sorry I have to mark the blockchain here. So we have done this within the previous three, four years, I believe. Until today, we have like a real um, regulations and framework with different free zones and governmental entities, which is really great. When we are trying to move this to the metaverse and trying to enhance, let's say, those uh, institutional, whether they are private or government, to really uh, focus on this as a new technology, as a new trend, they will always struggle with the adoption. The reason why, there's hundreds and hundreds of use cases. Until they are proven, they are really profitable, sustainable, and there is, um, uh, I would say, a decent um, amount of trailer order that has been done. We have covered all the gap holes. They will not move forward. So it's really important for me personally to see big brands in UAE, without mentioning names, they are currently experiencing this not only to invest in it, but it's going to be part of their own brand loyalty program. It's going to be really interesting, but we're still in a phase where we're trying to manage what kind of adoption strategy would be the right one. And this is where we need artists to jump in. This is where we need people who are actual players, not only end receiver, just to wait, read, and trying to learn what could be the right uh, strategy to uh, adopt later on. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, that sort of wrapped that in a sort of a lovely golden nugget for us there. Th thank you very, very much. And I'm going to sort of bounce it across my screen to Sonny. I mean, can you come in and give um, some more muscle around that and maybe even an example? Over to you. Oh, sorry. What was the question again? Is it regarding investors? It, that's right. So now we're looking at what appetite is there out there and how do we create that appetite? Um, we're talking today about the grey areas and, and of course, and, and it's muddy a little bit at the minute, isn't it? Question mark. Um, but, you know, if we've got a new field out there that we've just put the seeds in and we have to water it to grow, it becomes muddy until it becomes green. So, um, yeah, what, what, what's happening in the investor space? What questions are being asked? And what are brands doing, Sunny? Over to you. Oh, yes. So a uh, very, very, uh, I mean, very great question. It's a very great question, actually. So from an investor's perspective, I think the space has been very tricky because, um, as we know, um, uh, during the ICO days, uh, the initial days, a lot of people um, lost their money. Um, in the space, uh, investing in cryptocurrencies. So the market has actually seen a lot of uh, um, sort of uh, crypto winters, summers, and uh, uh, and uh, gradually it's just, you know, making sure that our regulations in place to safeguard these uh, retail investors, the individual investors. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you are investing into an asset which is volatile and speculative in nature, you have to be very careful. You have to do a lot of homework, uh, probably do a lot of research and reach out to the right people who have invested in the space. I'm talking about individual investors or retail investors um, like you and me. But uh, when it comes to institutions, I think I see 
on the flip side, there's a lot of institutional adoption in the space, being uh, the big banks, the financial institutions, they are moving to cryptocurrency uh, space, uh, uh, like PayPal, um, uh, in Singapore, we have BBS Bank as well, the Bank of Philippines, they're also launching their own cryptocurrency exchange. So I think these are uh, regulated entities um, already, like the banks. Um, so they they obviously are taking taking precautions when they're moving into the, into the space. So in terms of investment from institutions, um, so I see a lot happening in that space, but when it comes to um, individual retail investors, especially Singapore is very, very wary and very, very careful about promoting even, um, even um, as cryptocurrencies that obviously includes NFT metaverse and all those digital assets because they want to safeguard the, uh, the citizens, the, 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 the individual investors um, and they do not want many people to go bankrupt or lose a lot of money. So that's why you must have heard the news recently that they've just um, um, uh, asked, or obviously they have sent a notice to all their service providers not to uh, advertise uh, themselves in, in the country, inside the country, uh, including the ATM machines that were just taken over, taken out from the, because there was an ATM machine. I used to go and I could just buy Bitcoin using my Singapore dollar, but obviously that doesn't, um, Obviously, that isn't existing right now. So coming to your point, again, be cautious, do a lot of homework. And even though the space is very interesting, a lot of things are happening, there are a lot of real players in the market, but there are a lot of rock players as well. So please, please make sure you reach out to the right people who have the experience in investing in these asset classes or ask around, do a research on the founding members like, you know, uh, are they credible? How long they've been in the business for before you invest into any sort of digital asset class? So, well, thank you for all of those sort of warning signs. I mean, they're all sort of BC, DC warning. Due diligence is crucial. But of course, the intention is to build this sort of um, ownership economy, this open economy built on an element of trust, I think, as well. But how, how, how do we make trust real? and not an oxymoron. Let's not answer that today, but let's just hold that close to us. Um, I'm gonna flip over to Jeremy and then you, Jimmy. So just get ready for this. So Jeremy, I mean, you, you're working both in you know, an organization that's sort of grown up in this infinite world. And funnily enough, it is called infinite world. Uh, and But also, as you said, you've got a couple of decades experience and seen, you know, Netflix grow, grow. And in fact, I think you've even been involved, you know, with a lot of what um, celebrities and uh, songwriters and film producers are doing. Jeremy, what, what appetite are you seeing? But can you also bring it back to what should we do if we're the brand? Over to you. So the so the general appetite. I mean, I I think that every everyone on the panel and probably you know most of the folks on the call would agree we are really early, still, um, and a lot of a lot of folks are still even you know uh, I I like to I like to you know segment the audience you know just in the adoption of Web three right. So you have like Web three aware people, you have Web three curious people, and you have Web three averse people, right? In in which bucket? Are you in? And I and I think you you have to like. There's an education piece to a lot of this, and really clearly outlining these these first principles that I talked about why Web three is so cool. Um, and then tiptoeing into okay, well, what does it look like? What does your strategy look like? Say, let's talk about a brand, right? I've advised brands on music strategy for years. Uh, been a part of a lot of um, you know uh, 
a lot of things that are built in the intersection of brand and music, but it always starts as music is a capability and extension, something to amplify and extend a brand experience to engage with the audience. The metaverse and Web3 is very similar in that you have to understand where the brand is going and who you are as a brand and what you want to do. And then look at this lens, look at this microphone that Web3 is. And if you extend it authentically through the microphone, then, then really good things happen. But if you just kind of look around and go, well, hey, this brand did this, I have to do that and then start. So there's a bit of that, the education to strategy, I think strategy first, but we're seeing really cool experiments. I think that everybody can learn from that. You know, we're in the experimental phase, you know, it's not, we're, it's, 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 at, I think uh, Sherrod mentioned like the metaverse is emerging at the speed of thought. I love that comment. And I, and I think it's, I think it's spot on. Nah, Jeremy, I, th I think you're, you're great. Cause we were having a, a strategy conversation internally yesterday and we're outlining the top, you know, challenges we're having and someone we're interview, interviewing for a role asked the same question, like, what is your, you know, you know, toughest challenge and we go to the speed of the market. Like it's, we, we look at something, we're working on a three month plan and the next thing, something comes out in Spatial or Oculus or one of these gaming engines and you're like, oh snap, course correct. You know, how do you move to that? This project doing this, that project doing that. And it's like, oh my days, you need to keep focus. You know, and you know, going back to Jamie's point around inclusivity in the metaverse, you know, we're, we're bringing out a, a product in March within our Vitality District and our human-centric human metaverse where we're building an experience where you, you engage, you pick up fruits, you do some squats, you do some exercises, and you win some VAT tokens, right, which is our native tokens. And on one of the review calls, someone goes, oh, but hold on, you said we should do squats. What about someone is immersed in um, the experience on a wheelchair? You know, how does that work? And instantly I looked at it and said, shit, okay, you know, how do we take that away? How do we, you know, solve for inclusivity? You know, how do we solve for diversity? And that challenge was great for me. And, you know, I was, I was on a call with Jamie yesterday as well, talking about some of the challenges in this space as well, because, you know, no one has the answer. Even Meta saying they're doing this in five years, you know, they're still, they're probably just looking at everybody doing stuff and saying, hey, let's go buy these guys because they're the best you know, let's bring them in, you know, but it, it's interesting because personally for me, it's having the opportunity to actually shape what the next generation looks like, you know, experiment, fail, learn from your failures, collaborate with great minds, you know, I mean, if I wasn't doing what we were doing, you know, I wouldn't be on this panel talking to, you know, the audience and also being on a panel with like-minded people. So it, it's, it's a very interesting space and, you know, the, the part of the commitments and the time the energy and the challenges is what makes it very special and unique in itself. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. I mean, I'm going to actually put, uh, uh, did someone say something then? Yes, it's me. If I can just jump in and I would like um, to just um, mention a very small comment, which is beginnings are always hard, right? And it's harder whether you are an investor, an actual player, a creator, when you are waiting for someone else to do his next big thing. So I guess all of us were waiting for very strong references, which they already very they're already uh, um, there out there, I would say in a way or another. But we're trying to make sure we are uh, having relations, although we are trying to work on this as a decentralized, let's say, platform and outcome of, of this platform. But we are all anticipating for the next big strong reference until we add, uh, I would say, next. 
Absolutely. And thank you so much, um, very, very much indeed. In fact, I was, funnily enough, you must have got my energy going to go to you, Omnia. But, you know, I was going to, I saw this quote the other day, and I don't even know who said it, but like it, it was along the lines with CEOs and leaders need to weave the brand narrative into Web3 and Meta now in order to drive profitable, profitable companies, you know, in the future world. And, and, you know, for me, it sort of brings in that sort of dance between my two intersections, which is strategy and spirituality, meaning if we, if meta is about love and community, and it is about sort of creating uh, digital economic and social justice, you know, a bit of peace, you know, in, in, a, in a playful, positive, meaningful way, we still need prosper prosperity in the middle to hold it together. You love prosperity and peace. And, and, you know, that brings me sort of just before we go and actually bring somebody in, maybe Sam or Darren um, could come in, but um, taking this now back, uh, Jamie as well, into that open philanthropy space where, you know, we've, we now have almost the, the, the bridge from game fi to social fi. And um, we know, um, you know, there's some good good people that have trailblazed the area. And one of them is, uh, is a couple, actually a duo, uh, Poonja Man Manharia. Oh, I can never say the names so if I've said it incorrectly. I'm sorry, I'm very sorry, Puncha. And Deepak Chopra, who we know, who've got Sever.love, you know, which is really just set up for meta for good, right? You know, and there's infinite possibilities in there, aren't they? Um, but one of the things that Deepak says is make every corporation irrelevant. So, I mean, Jamie, how do we sort of go into social philanthropy um, and where is um, relevance and irrelevance, you know, in that space? And, and then we've got somebody to bring in to chat to. Over to you, Jamie. Yeah, I think I want to start off with probably what one of my biggest concerns is, is if we have, should, should Meta, Facebook, whichever you want to go for, be the gatekeepers to the metaverse, because if they shape up the way that things are going and taking, in my eyes, a lot of credit for the work that other people have put into place, um, then we're going to have a passport to the metaverse that has to go through Facebook. And let's remember that these kind of organisations, a lot of organisations that are out there, have made their money from capitalising on engaging people through rage, through uh, you know, heightened emotions through all of that. Now, if we look at that from a metaverse perspective and from a virtual reality perspective, participants in VR have a 27% higher emotional reaction than in comparison to 2D content. It's engaged with for 34% longer than 2D and 16% longer than 360 degree on a flat surface. Are we going to give organizations that have literally made their money from emotional reactions that kind of power? to engage you and be your passport and your entrance in. And that's one of my biggest concerns here, which is why I think we have to have the conversation at every level, is how are we going to regulate what's going to happen? How are we dictating the government of the, the metaverse? How do we make sure that this is a place that is designed with everyone at the heart from an inclusive perspective? And going back to Jimmy's point as well, kind of around the accessibility aspect, is there's so much opportunity here to make sure that people who are disenfranchised in the real world potentially those who are disabled people who don't have the opportunities, can we make sure that they are engaged in the digital world to have opportunities that they might not have had access to before because of stigma, because of the, the challenges that have been faced? We need to look at it from a point of view of it's not that person's 
responsibility to be able to participate in society. It's our responsibility to design a world where they are able to participate. Well, I see a, I see a whole conversation coming up around that space. <laughs> Um, and I'm just going to quote one of my um, sort of favorite um, philosophers, an, an Indian author called Anthony DeMello. I think it's from his book, Walking on Water, and Anthony passed a few years ago. But um, there was a, a quote, something like, find truth in observation, not opinion. Find truth in observation, uh, not opinion. Um, but sort of taking that space, um, um, who do we have in the room with us um, um, yeah, actually, uh, I've got Darren in because he has a great story to share with the audience. I did interact with a lot of people uh, offline once we announced this webinar, and some of them have amazing stories. So I'm going to hand it over to Darren for the next three minutes to very quickly introduce himself and share his meta story with us. Over to you, Darren. Hello, Darren. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, thank you so much, Sharat and uh, Susan, for hosting this. I mean, it's, re it's really a good chance for me. Um, so just a little bit of background. I've, I've been in the human, uh, you know, tech space for 10 over years. And, um, you know, I've always been helping, trying to find ways to improve people's life. And knowing that crypto NFTs has created such a way that it, it can be uh, you know, in, in the space of, uh, you know, using it to improve people's life. And I, I did a little bit of research and I realized that if you look at the, uh, the whole world of things, there's about 72 million of children that is without education right now. And I kind of identified this is a huge problem, uh, you know. So I started the, uh, a little a project that I, I call it, uh, you know, digital arts for a better future. Uh, the main mission is basically to to use NFT as a, as a really good platform to help children that uh, do not have any education right now, uh, globally, uh, you know, to, 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 to assist them in receiving education. And I chose Cambodia as a start for my first project because I've been working in Cambodia for quite a while. Uh, you know, I've really connected with the NGOs in Cambodia and we're gonna use Cambodia as a first uh, a, a start point. Uh, so what we're going to do is that we're going to have 100 kids uh, uh, in, the, in the village that did not have a school at the moment, uh, that we intend to build a school for them and to hire teachers uh, to provide all the necessary uh, education material that they would receive, uh, you know, for kids especially. Um, so the kids will be drawing uh, 100 individual NFT arts. Uh, in fact, it's over this weekend that they will be, uh, you know, I will be using it as NFT and to upload in marketplaces that will allow, uh, you know, anyone to purchase off. And one NFT is basically equivalent to uh, uh, changing a kid's life for at least the next three years. So uh, it's, it's definitely getting really passionate for me because I, I really want to change a kid's life. I mean, 85 to 90% of the fund raised uh, for this NFT will go to the, the community. And, you know, I'm, I'm just here to share and I hope that once the project is live, when I get the NFT up, I will get maybe more support from the community as well. Well, Darren, and come back, come back and maybe, um, you know, if it, I don't know the age of the children, but maybe one or two of them can come online. I'm seeing um, Tarek nod his head. I saw uh, Jimmy 
come into the screen. I mean, maybe uh, Tariq can even help you with his uh, Montessori uh, education area. Yeah, maybe we can do some collaboration here yeah, and yeah, Jimmy too. So uh, Darren, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for yeah. looking after the children of Cambodia and the children of the world. Um, it's so crucial. Can I just recognize Sam Elaman? He's in the room. He has an Hello, amazing Sam. story to share. He's building a crowdfunding platform on blockchain. And uh, Sam, uh, next three minutes are yours. Okay. Hi. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? You guys have had some amazing conversations. Um, uh, I think I just start off by saying, you know, thank you for hosting this space uh, to raise education, raise awareness. Um, hi, I'm Sam. What I'm building is something that answers directly answers the the biggest criticism Web three faces, which is lack of utility. And what 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 can I do with this Bitcoin? What can I do with this Ethereum? What what's the point of an NFT? You get these questions from from people in the industry, experienced engineers, uh, people in tech. And they raise valid concerns around blockchain in general. Um, but what I'm building is a crowdfunding platform to, to answer that, to add value. So, so you've got a farmer, for example, in Africa, or a, um, a small business owner in Latin America, a, 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 a villager in Southeast Asia, people who have been excluded from the global financial system, to raise funds for them. Now, what's different with what we're building compared to existing crowdfunding platforms is we're trying to answer it with accountability. Accountability is core to what we're building to ensure that funds are protected until the people raising the funds deliver on the milestones that they've, uh, they've, they've defined in their business proposal. So it's, it's, it's visibility and accountability powered by the blockchain. So I'd love to um, to really go through what we're building and do a demo in a future date, but trying to tell people who are listening, um, who are watching, if you've got an idea, if you've got a proposal and you 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 fully believe in it, there are platforms out there that will give you the funding to make sure that vision, that idea, becomes a reality. So thank well, you. Thank very you, much Sam. Thank you, Sam. I mean that feeds straight into open philanthropy. Excuse me, I burped, but open philanthropy and also the conversation that Jamie's mooting around digital uh, economic uh, justice. So thank you so very much. And Darren, I mean, Sonny has just uh, asked if you're in Singapore, um, can she have a cup of tea with you, right? So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I mean, sure. I mean, absolutely. we would just connect after the call yeah. and I would love to share with anybody else about the Darren, project. I'm definitely excited. Amazing work. And the reason thank you I so much, yeah. Because uh, charity is, chari NFT, char you know, NF uh, uh, NFTs based on charity is something that obviously uh, I was part in uh, part of something that happened in Singapore. If you know, Blockchain Association of Singapore, uh, they did a blockchain for good uh, auction, uh, and yep. the funds raised were obviously uh, uh, you know contributed towards the schools in Singapore. You know how the, the ecosystem is over here. So that sort of uh, you know got me thinking that. I should be actually part of such uh, uh, noble projects. And I, I'm, when you mentioned about Cambodia, this, you know, the, the, the students in Cambodia and how you're going to be helping them to this NFT, this is something that I lo love to be a part of yeah. somewhere, Erin. Thank you, Sonny. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for really yeah. um, 
really sort of um, talking into and walking into all of our thumbs up because Darren, you got thumbs up from the whole screen. You too as well, San. And yes, also yeah. um, just in the chat, Darren, there's a chat for you. Can you let um, um, Sharad let Darren know, um, I think it's Ahil from Kenya or somewhere would like to connect with Darren yeah. as well. We will connect them. And, yeah. uh, and who's this, person. Jojo? Who's yeah, this lovely Jojo? Jojo is an amazing Hello. guy we met offline Hello. who's going to share his story with us. Three minutes are yours, Jojo. Yes, I'll take it away. Hey, everyone. Um, my name is Jaron Maylard, but most people, as you know by now, they call me Jojo. Um, I'm joining in from the Netherlands, and can I just start off by saying how uh, wonderful it is to see such a diverse group of, of like-minded individuals uh, just coming together and sharing knowledge. I think this is um, truly remarkable, Sharad, what you've done here, and uh, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Um, so I'd like to take a few minutes to talk to you guys about play to earn gaming, something that Sonny also quickly talked about, um, and which is, I think, a subject that is very deeply tied in with the conversation around the metaverse. Um, I'm sure most of you uh, guys have heard about Axie Infinity and, and things like Sandbox. Um, they're two examples of play to earn games that really have expanded their ecosystem to include uh, the metaverse of some sorts. Um, so to start my story off, I'd like to take you back to the beginning of 2021, when uh, play to earn gaming was just going mainstream. Um, and many play to earn games were kind of shooting up like mushrooms, um, because by, by using NFT technology to create uh, digital assets for players to have uh, full ownership over, we've really stumbled onto a new revolution in the gaming sector. Um, unfortunately, I don't have enough time to go into the specifics of all these benefits, but if you look me up on LinkedIn after this, I've um, written some articles that will explain a little bit more about the subject. Um, but anyway, somewhere along the line, things got a little bit blurry because um, all of these opportunists were trying to go to the market really quickly and feature their, their brand new and exciting play to earn games. Um, but because of the, the speed, many of these, what I call uh, first generation games, they forgot to create actual fun games. And instead, they tried to sell their players something similar to a decentralized finance protocol with investing and staking and yields and whatever with some gamification elements. And um, although there are a lot of these, these DeFi-focused play-to-earn games, as I call them, um, their economic designs are actually so flawed that, like, like Sonny said, a lot of people end up losing money um, if you're too late to join the party. Because, um, and this is the biggest problem, when you build one of these DeFi games um, that is actually no fun to play, your entire player base is just going to consist of, of leeches. Um, the only new money coming into the ecosystem is, is new players bringing in money to get in the game, whereas all of the existing players, they are just trying to cash out as much as quickly as possible. And then uh, as soon as player growth stops, the whole thing implodes. Um, and to me, that, that no longer creates a game. And that's why uh, a while ago, I teamed up with some, some like-minded individuals. And we really set out to redefine the industry standard of what a play-to-earn game, because it has to be a game, what they should be. Um, and from that, we've created a, a game called Castle of Blackwater. Um, right now, we're, we're building it. Uh, it's going to be a brand, brand new uh, play-to-earn game that is going to be both fun-focused, but it's still going to be economically rewarding. Um, we actually like to think we've invented some solutions to create uh, a sustainable and scalable play-to-earn game 
based on researching game economic design and, and talking to many game economists in the space as we're talking to each other right now. Um, we've only just released a, a temporary landing page uh, where you can join our Discord community, register for whatever. Um, and if you leave your, your email with us, we're going to be releasing a, a white paper soon where we spend a really long time just outlining the economic design principles that are going to create sustainability in play to earn games. So um, head on over to, to www.castleofblackwater.com and uh, yeah, join our Discord if you ever want to have a chat with me about this because I'm, I'm very passionate. And thank you for the time. Yes, You're most you. welcome, Jojo. This is super. And I'm going to throw this into the room. I'm going to go, Jeremy, over to you in a minute just to comment about what you've heard. Sharad, we've got um, uh, Miss Seti trying to get in. Can you, um, she's, uh, I don't know, maybe an email to her or something. I'll leave you there on that for a minute. Jeremy, any, any thoughts around these uh, awesome um, um, uh, audience members that have come in to join the panel today? Over to you. Yeah, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, you know, you, you guys are all addressing, uh, you know, very real needs in the marketplace. I guess, you know, Jojo, you're, you're, you're spot on. Like a lot of these play to earn games um, come out and people forget that you have to make a fun game. Like square off the top, it's got to be a fun game. Um, and then, you know, having these interesting mechanics uh, governance token, you know, in-game currency, like all of these things that can drive people to participate and actually earn a living doing something like that. I mean, there are a ton of models that have proved it already. Um, one that I'm following right now that's that's super interesting and it's it's very AAA kind of thing is is Star Atlas, and I, I like that because they uh, of how they outline the white paper. Everything's in order to, and you mentioned your white paper, right? So every communicating clearly like what's going on with it, the economics, the fun factor, releasing little nuggets. Like I look forward to following your stuff uh, as well. And then the, you know, using this web three mechanic for good, I think is so important. Uh, I think, was it Darren? Um, you know, we have to, we have to, in a, and I, and I think, I think a couple other folks mentioned it. We, we have to make sure we bring people along on this journey and we show them how to access this stuff and show them how to build it and give them the tools and move them from Web3 averse through Web3 curious to Web3 aware and let them start building and iterating because all of this stuff is gonna build on that. One last quick comment is on you know, the Facebook meta thing. And I wrote an article a while back that we have to be careful in web three, not to just move the gatekeeper, right? Cause right now in web two, we've got all of these gatekeepers, right? And now we have the gatekeepers trying to own the metaverse. Like meta is meta. like, you can't own meta. Like how do you own meta? <laughs> meta is meta, meta is everything. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my wee little soapbox for a minute, but congrats to all three of you guys doing awesome things. Uh, look forward to hearing more about your projects. Thank, Thank you, very, you much. very much, Jeremy. It makes me so excited to hear what you're saying and what everyone else is saying. And it's also made me excited to see Jimmy's hand up. So Jimmy, hey. over to you. Hey, I just want to piggyback on Jeremy and Jojo in terms of, you know, PTE, uh, play to earn and all of that. There's actually stuff, you know, folks are now looking at called work to earn. Stay tuned. <laughs> but <laughs> Ultimately, you know, the whole the whole ideology of the economics and the fun factor with metaverse, with gamification, it's all about value. It's all about utility, you know. So um, I'll share my story. You know, I got back into virtual land back in 2018 with some space and Decentraland, 
you know, when they were like $200 a pop and I got a couple. Fast forward to early last year, one of them sold for about $10,000. And I was like, hold on, what the, what the, okay. But let's take a step back and look at it from an economics perspective. Why is someone paying that value or that amount for that piece of land? And it got us thinking to understand, let's do some research. How can we solve problems with this? How can we create an economy where people, you know, content creators, gamers can come in and start to make a, an extra leaving on this, right? And for us, it's all value. And we're, we're doing a land sale, you know, next month, uh, sorry, in March. And we've just released an article or a press release on Cointelegraph. We're going to be giving HTC headsets, you know, per land sale. So that way you could actually start to immerse yourself and use it. We're also taking it further. We're going to work on a no-code builder tool so you could build an NFT studio by yourself. And then for brands, we're taking it further. If you buy a piece of land, you get access to over 350 viewers because we're partnering with media buys in Africa and Asia, you know, on airtime that you could advertise your goods and services. So again, it's thinking, you know, bringing the real world, taking it virtually and seeing how you could add utility for all of this assets. And this is just one of the ideas. And Jojo, I'm still probably going to pick it back to you and Jeremy as well from a strategic perspective. What are the other things we could add to this, you know, to make it grand? Thank you so very, very much. Um, I'm going to go two ways now. I'm going to come in for a bit of play and to our meta player, Tarek, but I'm also going to come back to you, Omnia, sort of to give us a bit of um, foundational view on sort of social philanthropy and, and, you know, and how we play in this space, but also how we, you know, all remain open and collaborative and sharing and caring. So Tarek, any thoughts from you, first of all? You've got to look at this space from multiple lenses and coming from an individual being described as a meta player looking on this. There are people in the chat saying 98% of NFTs are going to have no value in a period of time now. Some people are looking at this for an investment and an increase in their revenue. And we Sonny mentioned earlier that some of the tools in which you can use to identify how an NFT's purpose or project might hold its value so we mentioned discords which jojo mentioned extremely important you've got twitter you've got white papers the importance of doing your own research is the underlining factor of any kind of investment that you're going to make in this space it's as simple as that and when we look at what jeremy mentioned with regards to its capability nfts can have additional elements that form part of their project, like attending concerts or what Darren's mentioning, giving back to a charity. These kind of projects have long longevity within them. There's purpose, there's things that will attract other people to invest and go into it. There are other things, if we look at board eight NFTs, they're not just a picture of a board eight, they have other elements in the real world that can add on and make them attractive to others. So I think researching, looking into it, seeing what benefits they can give to the real world, how they're going to be supportive and, and help the economy move forward, as well as someone just coming in and being a meta player and investing and looking to make uh, an increase of their revenue. So lots of different things to consider. But well, I'm hearing there, Tarek, you know, the real co-joining and the fusion of reality and uh, MXR or, you know, virtual reality. And of course, Jeremy, you know, somebody was talking about, you know, 
theatre tickets, football tickets, you know, things that help and support our lives as well. So I'm just going to take that right round, first of all, just for a quick one minute to Omnia, and then we have a guest in the room that we're, who's popped in very, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Omnia, what have you got to say about all of this, making it real? Uh, yeah, also making it real for the investment world, but also making it real for us in the real world to actually use and enjoy. Over to you, Omnia. Thank you, Suzanne. Um, I believe the guest she just joined, I'm a big fan of her art, so I would hope she can touch base on that as well. Um, but going back to your question, um, if I can add one thing, which is it will always be related to the use case whether we are looking at it from uh, institutional investors or retail investors. And the reason why, we want to make sure how the experience makes sense financially. And what do I mean by that? Um, going back to our main topic today, if a brand would like to use the NFT for their own benefits, they want to make sure they are using it in the right way, considering what they are trying to sell and to who. So if we want to make sure that we are taking the right decisions, we need to go back to the strategy and what we are trying to achieve, not jumping from high to high without making sure we have done our right research. Um, and that's why I always refer to, we are just currently watching, listening, and we're trying to learn, not more, not less. While we're trying also to see how the legal slash, uh, I would call it a regulatory framework is building around that. From investor uh, investment perspective, we cannot take any actions without making sure that we can see on the long term. So currently, I would say we're just uh, standing still in a sense that we would like to see how things will take place. And as Jeremy correctly said, um, it's too early, but it's never too soon, if I can say. Um, we are just trying to, to learn more from everyone. Thank you so very, very much again. Gosh, you know, I keep keep, keep appreciating and I really am appreciating what, what I'm hearing here. And I hope that you all out there in the room, are, you know, are really getting some nourishment from today. And, and you know, I heard um, earlier, Jamie, I mean, you use the word how we dictate, you know, what happens in this space. I'm sure you didn't mean to work, use the word dictate because of course that's what we don't want, I suppose, isn't it? You know. Uh, we want um, a new word rather than dictate to help create um, the, the governance, as, as Omnia said, you know, in this space, that it's done in a much more collaborative governance and one that we all, um, you know, feel uh, very um, much ownership on. So therefore, the ownership economy. So, you know, we talked about how can NFTs, you know, um, uh, uh, Amrita, Amrita Seti is here. Amrita Seti is an NFT artist based here in the UAE. Amrita, you've missed some of the conversation, but you won't be surprised to hear that we've talked about the highs and the lows, although, of course, we are in very early stages of this new emerging marketplace. But, you know, one of the areas that um, we know that omni generations enjoy, and that's collecting and collectibles. And by off chance, you happen to be an artist who morphed out from the finance sector, I think about four or five years ago. Tell us a quick bit about you and then talk us about what is an NFT artist, who is an NFT, what is an NFT artist, and what indeed is art and what can we do with it? Over to you, Amrita. Yeah, thank you so much, first of all. Thank you so much, Susan. And my extreme, extreme apologies uh, for coming in late. I would say this is the, the new... This is the NFT life. It's um, 
it's crazy because it, it, it is hot at the moment. And I find at the moment my days are minute by minute, which is an amazing problem to have. Um, and I think it's also just really telling of what's actually happening in the space. So just a little bit about me. My name's Amrita, Amrita Sati. I was actually born and born in Kenya. Um, I'm of Indian origin and British, but, you know, married to Swiss. So I've lived all over the world, but I've lived in Dubai for the last 14 years, and I'm very proud to call this my home. I recently received the golden visa. Um, and as you rightly said, I used to be not even in the space. I was artistically inclined when I was a child, but then, you know, like most kind of, I would say, I don't want to completely stereotype, but, you know, like South Asian families, you know, go into doing something that's more, um, you know, financial based. So I went into the banking sector for a long time, of which I really loved it. Like I really weirdly love economics at the, when I was, you know, when I was younger. And, uh, and so I was in the banking space for a long time and I became an artist where I created my own genre of art, which I copyrighted later, um, which is called voice note art. And now I'm, it's now being called Soundbite. Um, so, uh, and the whole premise of Soundbite art is all based on sound and storytelling. So, um, you know, for those who don't know, I kind of capture uh, a shape and structure of a sound wave, and then I draw the images to match the meaning of that. Um, and so that's kind of, and then from there, you know, I then became an NFT artist because obviously everything went into lockdown uh, during COVID. And I think because of my banking background, I was able to make the connection very quickly into the blockchain space, which I know a lot of artists have struggled, like from people, from traditional artists going into NFT art. Um, but obviously those who've been digital artists in the industry for a while, this was their moment of celebration. This was their moment to shine. So to answer your kind of question around what is NFT art? Well, you know, it allows, um, you know, to take, it allows digital artists and, and in a weird way, I, I, while I do paint and everything else like that, the, the whole premise of my art is based on sound. And so I use a lot of sound and technology before I get to the art. And being able to tell that story digitally was a more exciting one. So, but obviously prior to, um, you know, NFTs, a digital artist, even though they had had years of experience, like the tools that, you know, used to make 3D, VR, AR, these are things that people study a long time. There's a lot of skill set, a lot of investment that comes in because these are essentially the tool brushes of a lot of artists. But imagine you create a piece of art um, and the only way prior to NFTs to realize it was to make it into a print or to make it into a physical item to make it rare and scarce. So what NFT art has done for the digital creator is that it's taken um, a digital asset that then could be multiple reproduced like many, many times. And you've given it the rarity and scarcity, which then gives it its value. And I think that in a nutshell is what NFT art is. And I think what the future that it kind of on a very t 10 second, I mean, there's so much future to it, but just sticking with the digital creators is that now by being able to um, make digital assets rare and scarce, the digital art and the kind of, I think, artists and the creativity that it's going to unlock is going to be immense. So even just a very quick example is that I started creating sound bites um, in a 2D kind of way, and now I create them in augmented reality. 
Um, and I can now go into VR and all other types of things. So you're now not just looking at a 2D image. Your art is now becoming more of um, an experience. Wonderful. I mean, gosh, it's an experience what we're all about. And indeed, this is called the X Factor series for a reason because it's all about that experience that you just can't, can't quite describe that you've had, but you know that it's extraordinary. Um, thank you, Amrita. Jeremy, any thoughts around this sort of somewhat shared space you and Amrita sort of uh, have an intersection between? Over to you, Jeremy. Yeah, Amrita, you're, you're spot on with, with your analysis and, and perspective. I'd, I'd, I just actually looked up your site. I can't wait to dig in your art. It looks fascinating. Um, one, one thing that got me thinking, and these are some experiments that I'm doing as well, is the ability of NFTs and capturing, you know, drawing that, drawing that border around a digital asset, whether it be sound or visual, it opens the door to a lot more collaboration than we used to do, right? Because we, you know, as, as artists, you want to kind of hold on to that IP, but now you're able to break that IP into smaller pieces and still retain ownership and throw it into collaboration with other artists. And we're seeing, I love the idea of sound driving visual. I've done a lot of things with mapping elements of sound to elements of visual art to drive the experience. And I, and I think experience, you, you hit the nail on the head too, like art is experience. And you know, this, this collaborative approach is really fascinating that I'm hearing you say. Yeah, and I, I would just add to that as well is that, you know, um, I think it's the reason why sometimes NFT art is so hard for people to wrap their heads around is because they haven't um, detached from the current old school paradigm of that art needs to be something that you can physically touch to have that intrinsic concept of knowledge of ownership. Right. And so in the future, and, and that it's also just a 2D flat, like when you see it, like, say, like, whatever this piece of artwork behind me, um, you know, you just like look at it and you think, OK, there's nothing else that can come from that image in the future or even now children or in the very near future, children, people, they're going to be going up to um, images and artwork and they're going to be like, sorry, you know, is this all this artwork does? Like it doesn't zoom in, doesn't have anything coming out of it. And I think in the future, people will be like, what, so it's just a normal canvas that doesn't do anything. And I think we're, you know, we're, we're on that journey to kind of reinvent and redesign what art actually is and also move people's understanding away from only if you physically can hold something, can you own it? which is a weird thing because we've done that with everything, including our most you know, precious asset, arguably, which is money. You know, We don't physically need to hold cash to know that we own it. So why do we physically need to own a piece of artwork to know that we own it? And it's weird because a lot of people just haven't made that shift yet. That's an amazing analogy. I mean, what a wonderful way to sort of, if you like, just close today, but keep the door open. Um, because I think we've got so much to say, haven't we, Sherard, and everyone on the panel, but what an, an amazing inaugural conversation to kickstart 2022. Not least that somebody is appreciating your t-shirt, um, Jimmy, and everyone wants to know where they can get it. So have a look at the chat, right? Because fashion is also taking its catwalk into meta. 
as we know. Sharad, can I flip it to you and you come back to me if you need? Um, no, it's actually time for us to wrap up today's uh, webinar. Uh, we are almost, I think, 85 minutes uh, into this very engaging conversation. Uh, I want to thank all our panelists personally for your time and for your attention. Uh, we will definitely stay in touch with you going forward. What is also very interesting is that we have decided to do at least one webinar every month about the meta because there is so much to talk about. It's one just can't do justice in uh, you know, 80, 90 minutes. So this is going to be a monthly feature. All you need to do is stay in touch with us on uh, onlywebinars.com. That's where we make the announcements. And uh, yeah, over to you, Susan, to, uh, for a thank you note to all our participants who've been here and to all our panelists. Back oh, to thank you, you. Thank you. We've got two minutes. I'm going to do, I'm just going to quickly go around the room and ask anyone in the panel if there's anybody that we all should look at online. First of all, Tarek, there's a message for you of, of appreciation in the chat. You might want to have a quick look now from Sean. But for example, I'm, I'm, I know you know this young lady, um, Jeremy, I think Kathy Hackle and Futures Intelligence and Republic Realm. I mean, Republic Realm has launched an academy, an amazing academy. Jeremy, that's my recommendation. Jeremy, do you endorse that? And do you have a recommendation for us? Yeah, I think I think what Kathy's doing with Republic is really interesting. She's been ahead of the curve on this on this metaverse stuff for quite a while. Um, worked for Magic Leap for years, and uh, they're actually putting an educational series together that is in uh, in a virtual world that that has all the components that we're talking about in the metaverse. And I'm actually going to be teaching a um, uh, module on utility based on my utility framework. So um, oh, I would certainly. I would certainly endorse what uh, what Kathy's doing. Absolutely, she's a great one to uh, to stay in touch with and follow related to trends and stuff. Wonderful, and of course, she she also has got a companion, a Metabot called Nikki or Nico. So, if you want to see a neck, neck, uh, a Metabot really working with you in do in achieving your brand position and brand value, you know, do follow Kathy Hackel H A C K L. Somebody wrote her name in the in the box there. Thank you so much. Um, Jimmy, who should we watch? Just give me a name. Myself. Oh, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> We're on you. We're on you, mate. Uh, Omnia. Oh, Omnia. Anybody you feel that we should be having our eyes on to guide us? Um, for me personally, the use case that Sam had mentioned is really interesting. Like we're moving from the traditional crowdfunding to crowd investing. It's not only for institutional investors, but also from people who have ideas. So looking at this will be really interesting for everyone. Wonderful. And Sam is endorsing you there, Omnia. Thank you, Sam. Okay, so um, let's leave it there. But I've got one more. Catherine Wood, uh, ARK Invest, A-R-K invest. And on that note, may I just get you all to take your microphones off mute and wish everybody a collective meta goodbye. Microphones off mute. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thank, Bye. You so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, see you on the other side. <laughs>